insights, unpredictable conversations, encouragement for your day. It's the Patrick Madrid Show on Relevant Radio. Buenos dias and muchas enchiladas. Welcome to the Patrick Madrid Show. Welcome back if you're a regular listener. And if you're a first-time listener, take note of this phone number sponsored by Catholic Order of Foresters. This is the number you can call to be on the program. 888-914-9149. 888-914-9149. Emails go to patrick at relevantradio.com. Boy, do we get emails. I have an email here that came in recently from an anonymous, curious listener. And I always uh, notice with some amusement the fake email addresses that some people use, uh, like this one. Clearly not a real email address. But in any case, your email got to me. It's a tuxedo question, and I have never publicly that I know of anyway been asked a tuxedo question. Dear Dr. Madrid, I don't have a doctorate, so don't call me doctor. Don't call me late for dinner either. Uh, since you have so many children and therefore have attended or will attend many weddings, do you rent your tuxedo for each wedding, or are you a proud owner of a tuxedo? Well, the actual fact is I'm a proud owner of a tuxedo. So when our oldest son got married, going back now, hmm, how long was that? 23 years ago, something like that. Uh, and maybe even before that, now that I think about it, um, I invested in a tuxedo because I knew with all these kids that I'd be having to wear tuxedos. So I invested in one and I still wear it proudly to this day. Sometimes I have to have it taken in, taken out, you know, the vagaries of life. One of those anyway. <laughs> well, I mean, if you go in one direction, you also have to go in the other sometimes. <laughs> I haven't rented a tuxedo. Honestly, I have not rented a tuxedo probably since my senior prom. And no, I take that back. My wedding, 43 plus years ago to the lovely Nancy Jane. We got married 43 years ago, Feb February the 7th, 1981. And I rented a tuxedo for that. And I think until I bought one to wear, I think that was the... The last time I ever rented one. How about you, Cyrus? You were you were the prom king most years, weren't you? <laughs> I wore a tux once. That was when I was getting married. And uh, I certainly rented it. <laughs> you didn't buy the tux. Nope. Yeah. Well, we were talking about tuxes. I don't know why we were talking about that recently. And um, the most hideous tux I ever wore was to, I think it was a Christmas dance or a Valentine's dance in high school. And it was party brown. It was the most obnoxious color brown with a big ruffly shirt. Of course, it looked fine in those days. Everybody wore weird tuxedos. The guys did anyway. So those days are gone. But yes, I do have a tuxedo. Thank you for asking. Let's go to Jack now in Detroit, Michigan. Young man of 10 years old. Good morning, Jack. Hi, good morning. Um, yes, good morning. I have, a question. I have a question. Did the dinosaurs or Adam and Eve come first? I think the dinosaurs came first, and the reason is because when God created the heavens and the earth, the Bible gives us kind of an overview of how he did that. And the scientific record indicates that the dinosaurs lived many, many hundreds of millions of years ago before there was any evidence of human beings. So if we compare the biblical teaching on the creation of Adam and Eve in the garden— we don't see any mention of dinosaurs in that case, but the historical record shows that there were dinosaurs at some point, but long before human beings. So I think we could safely say 
that the dinosaurs came first. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Was that the whole question or was there anything more? Um, yeah, that was it. Okay, wonderful. I appreciate the call. Nice chatting with you, Jack. Uh, we'll go now to Joe in Doylestown, PA. Hello, Joe. Hey, happy Friday, Patrick and Cyrus. Thank you. Um, I'm having a discussion with someone, and I want to make sure I'm correct on my thinking. It's always been my understanding that Pope uh, Damasus commissioned Jerome to translate the Greek Bible into Latin. And uh, from what I know or read, it was the Catholic Church that put together the canon of the Old Testament, New Testament, and was like affirmed at the Council of Rome. Um, my thinking is right. And uh, reaffirmed at the Council of Carthage and Hippo, and ultimately those books were infallibly declared at, uh, declared at the Council of Trent. Does, does that all sound together? Well, I would mention, first of all, that yes, you're right. Pope Damasus did commission Pope, or St. Jerome to translate the Old and New Testament into Latin. That's where we get what's called the Vulgate. And it was uh, ratified at that Synod of Rome. It was a regional synod. And then again, four different times at the end of the 4th century and the beginning of the 5th century in North Africa. That's also known as the African Code. In those regional councils in Hippo and Carthage, they reiterated this canon that was stipulated by Pope Damasus in the Council of Rome. But it was, it was defined before the Council of Trent in an ecumenical council in this case, in Florence. So at the Council of Florence, roughly 100 years before the Council of Trent, the canon was reiterated, and then again at the Council of Trent. Now, things had changed, as you know, with the rise of Protestantism. And so the Council of Trent's emphasis on reiterating the prior iterations of the canon was to respond to the claims that were made by Martin Luther and others who claimed that the canon should be 66 books, not 73 books. It involved the rejection of what we call the deuterocanonical books. And you may already know all these things, but that reiteration at the Council of Florence is a, an important detail. Excellent, excellent. Okay, good. So the, the gentleman that I'm engaging with claims that the oldest complete Bible is the Ethiopian Bible. And he's, mm. it, it is... It is 800 years. I've, I've checked sources on that, but I, mm -hmm. I don't believe it's the oldest compiled Bible. Well, if you mean, or if he means, rather, that it's the oldest extant Bible, then no, of course not. So the Church Fathers, St. Augustine, who was born in the year 354, um, he was using not a Bible in the way that we have a Bible today. Obviously, it wasn't bound between two covers the way Johann Gutenberg printed the Bible, in the 16th century, but he had access to all 73 books of the Bible. Of course, there were copies of copies, but the the canon was available in 73-book form in the early church. And the later you go, the more available it became. So to say that, and I know you're not saying it, but to say that the Ethiopian Bible is somehow the oldest, there's no way to make that claim, really, because the canon existed in that sense long before 800 years ago, as evidenced right, by right. the Church Fathers. Okay. All right. Well, excellent. Uh, thank you, Patrick. As usual, I mean, when I'm stumped, uh, this is where I come to get my uh, the real straight dish. Well, I appreciate, I appreciate that, Joe. Kind of you. And by the way, tell your friend who is making those uh, assertions that maybe he should listen to the program as well. I'd love to talk to him if he ever wants to call in. But Patrick, <laughs> Patrick, mm -hmm. Google yeah. says the Ethiopian Bible— this. 
is the oldest and most complete Bible on earth. That's, mm. that's what Google says. And Google never <laughs> does anything wrong, right? It's, it's always no, they would never do anything 100% wrong, truthful they? on Google. Well, and yeah. here's the thing, and Joe, maybe this is part of the, the question that I did not touch upon. Not having read the Google article on this issue, I don't know what, it, what is it, um, and I'm not asking you to tell me, Cyrus, I'm just saying I don't know, like, on what basis are they saying this is the oldest Bible? Is this the oldest extant Bible? In other words, an actual book that is printed between two covers or at least hand-copied because they didn't have movable type 800 years ago. That's possible. I mean, if that's the claim that the oldest physical Bible we can find is that one, I wouldn't dispute that if that were the case. I've never studied that, so I don't know offhand. But to say that the Ethiopian Bible, in a broader sense, is the oldest version of the Bible, all 73 books, that that is what I'm saying would be false. I don't know if that's the claim that's made in the Google article or not. Well, with Google, you, you only get that first, uh, you know, you have to actually click and dig and read what it's, yeah. what's really going on. And, but uh, the, new, the new way of learning anything is just typing it in Google and seeing the uh, whatever pops up first. You'd be surprised, though, Cyrus, how many people, sometimes they even write to me or they call in and ask a question that could easily be answered by doing that. You know, just search on it and you'll find the answer. Sometimes that's what I have to do. You know, if somebody writes a letter, I have to look it up because obviously none of us knows all these things. So, Joe, what's your read on this? Is he saying that this physical bound body of manuscripts is the oldest physical Bible that's available to us, or is he saying that that version of the Bible is the oldest? Because if, he, if he's saying the latter, then I would have to disagree with him. If he's saying the former, I don't know. He may well be right. Yeah, he, he never got that granular, so I'll have to go mm -hmm. back and, and, and ask him. But, uh, hey, one of the other things I noticed is that there was eight extra books in, in their New Testament. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I, I thought that was kind of, and they don't, they, they just seem different from, you know, the, the, the New Testament books that we have today. They were more like uh, uh, something that looked like came out of an Ethiopian area just by just reading the, the titles of the book. So Yeah, very possible. And there were books that purported to be written by the apostles that were not, that were written many centuries later. And, um, and those w were always rejected by the Church. In fact, in the, the earliest centuries, those books were unknown. So, yes, there are different recensions of the Bible that will include some books that are not found in the Catholic canon. That's a, a feature of history in the different areas where, right. you know, maybe in the Ethiopian church they highly prized an epistle of one of their, you know, early figures. We saw this in the, in the letter of St. Saint, uh, Saint Clement, excuse me, to the Corinthians, so that was written toward the end of the first century, and um, the records show that the Corinthian church treasured that as New Testament scripture until a later pope had to tell them, guys, that's not really part of the New Testament. They were so pleased and proud that they had received this epistle that they venerated it as scripture. And it wasn't. So yeah. if you had maybe looked at an, an early Corinthian version of the New Testament— it might well have included the Epistle of St. Clement, even though it wasn't actually inspired Scripture. Mm, okay. 
Well, good. Hey, well, thank you again. This is another one to add to my repository. Appreciate it. Well, I'm happy, Joe. Thank you for that. Do appreciate it. 888-914-9149. Call that number. We'll get you on the air with your question or comment. We'll start off now with Jose in Stevens Point, Wisconsin. Hi, Jose. Good morning. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Muchas enchiladas, señor. Oh, provecho. Sí. Uh, viva Jalisco. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wanted to say uh, thanks so much for all the insight and knowledge that you have provided me within the past year. I uh, have never come across a show quite like yours or just in general, Reverend Radio, praise God. I, uh, I, Every time I listen to uh, the Word of God, it's always through music. Mm. And I've never been able to get into it. And then I discovered your show about a year ago at 93.9. And it's just amazing. It's, it, I've learned so much about God. I've learned so much about the Bible. Um, it's all, it's all th- thanks to you. Because, um, I don't know, they always want to bash Catholics for some reason. I don't know why. And then, uh, God forbid, you say something against, like, the King James Version Bible. It's like, whoa. <laughs> but anyway, I, I, I love that I have you in my ear pretty much all the time. Father Rocky, um all the other members of the Drew family. and Kale and Timory and I love it. Sarah love and John it. and I don't want to leave I anyone out. Patrick Connolly. Yes, everybody, everybody. I love it. All I, of them. I just yeah. wish uh, my grandparents were alive and I wish that they would speak English because we're Catholic. We are somos de Mexico and uh, yeah, they always want to just bash us and just say that we're so bad and this and this and that and who's then, doing uh, the bashing? That's interesting. Is it uh, people at work well, or people you know around the neighborhood? Yeah, well, you know, mm, uh, I don't want to sound rude, but whoever is under that umbrella of the King's James Version, I think they're called Protestant. I don't even know. Um, like, uh, I have a Catholic Bible that I pretty much carry around, and yeah, this, I was like, oh, that's not the real Bible. I just l- finished listening to the segment about the oldest Bible being the Ethiopian. Mm-hmm. I think that's what they mean, like the one that's in between two covers. Um, but obviously, mm-hmm. you're so knowledgeable with 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 the history of a god and and i just learned something more listening to you but that's what i mean um people are always trying to convert me to to not being catholic to being christian and then it's like christian catholic i think is the same but maybe not and i just keep it to myself uh, yeah one I, thing I you could wanna... point out jose is that uh the christianity quote-unquote that jesus established was his church the catholic church even calling itself the Catholic Church by the end of the first century, beginning of the second century, with the distinctively Catholic doctrines. You know what you won't find? You could tell them this. If you go back to the early church, go back to the first century, second century, third century, you'll never, ever, ever be able to find, like, the Baptist Church or the good book non-denominational church where they get together and sing hymns and read the Bible. That is not early Christianity. You won't find Mm -hmm. Lutherans or Presbyterians. You won't find Calvary Chapel. You won't find... Iglesia Ni Cristo for our Filipino friends. You won't find Jehovah's Witnesses. You won't find Mormons. You won't find any of these groups that started long afterward because none of those are representative of the church Jesus established. But you will find the Catholic Church because that is the church that Jesus established. And it's it's supported by the evidence. This is one reason. Have you heard of St. John Henry Newman, Jose, by chance? No, no. Let me, let me write this down. No, no yeah, I have not. Check him out. His writing style is rather mm, rather challenging for modern American 21st century English-speaking people, but it's well worth the time to dig into his writing. So John Henry Newman, now St. John Henry Newman, he was uh, a Church of England minister 
in the early 19th century. I think he was born in 1805. And he was a very good scholar. I mean, he was very erudite, uh, fluent in Greek and Latin and modern languages as well, but very anti-Catholic, very, very anti-Catholic. He, by his own admission, used to preach sermons at his church services on Sunday, calling the church the whore of Babylon and the Pope was the Antichrist and all this stuff. Well, he decided that he would try to refute in a definitive manner all these Catholic claims of being the original church and stuff about Mary and purgatory and all this stuff, papal supremacy, all this stuff. So he said, I'm going to write the book that's going to slam dunk on these Catholics so they won't be able to make these claims anymore because I'll disprove them. And what he wanted to do was to show that the early church was not Catholic. So he set about his his research, and of course he was fluent in these languages, so he could read the Church Fathers in Latin and Greek freely. And after a while, he said, you know what, I had to stop. And eventually, he wound up becoming Catholic, because he said he, oh. he couldn't explain it away. He could not defeat the evidence that showed that the early Church was thoroughly Catholic, capital C Catholic, not like small c. Oh, that just means universal. That's all that is. No, they were Catholic. They they baptized babies. They confessed their sins to a priest. They went to Mass. They understood the Mass as a holy sacrifice, the real presence of Jesus, the uh, honoring of the martyrs and asking the saints in heaven to pray for us, honoring the Blessed Virgin Mary, the authority of the Bishop of Rome, confession, I, I mean, um, purgatory, etc., so he had this amazing line in the book that he did wind up writing. It's called An Essay on the Development of Christian Doctrine. And he said, to become deep in history is to cease to be Protestant. And that's exactly wow. what he went through. When he became deep in history, he realized it's just an insupportable, unhistorical, false narrative that the early church was just a bunch of quote-unquote Bible Christians going to Bible studies, and so he wound up becoming Catholic. And he, wow. he rose to become a cardinal. He was a great scholar and uh, just a tremendous figure in his own right. But, I mean, his story is well worth knowing about because he did the, as they like to say these days, he did the work. Absolutely. And he could not avoid the evidence. So that, it's a pretty powerful thing, Jose. See, this is why I love listening to you. You're so knowledgeable. You're a true I listened to a guy named Jordan Peterson, and then he, he became Catholic. So it, it, for me, it's all falling into place. Um, because you I know what? The music's playing, Jose. You're, you're very kind and generous with your praise. I appreciate that very much. And uh, I'm so glad you listened to the program. I'm so glad you find help and encouragement here on Relevant Radio. All the programs are there for you. Maybe... Get some cards from us. Go to relevantradio.com and under support, you can order some materials and uh, hand them out to your friends. And maybe they'll start listening. Thank you. Be right back. This hour is supported by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Join the nation's largest Catholic oriented credit union and receive $200 when you add a direct deposit. Learn more at slash join. That's NotreDameFCU.com slash join. Keeping it relevant. 
It's the Patrick Madrid Show on Relevant Radio. Join the conversation at 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. All right. Welcome back. Number is 888-914-9149. You can call that number. We'll get you on the air if you have a need for info. If you have a need for speed, I probably can't help you. But if you have a need for info or would you like a second opinion or something like that, I am here for you. 888-914-9149. We'll go now to Heather. Before before we go to calls, can I I try to do something here? Uh, Sure. It depends on what it is that you're trying to do. uh, During the breaks, I'll play like one second of a song and Patrick will guess the song. And he's... 99% 99% of the time he's correct, probably 99.5% of the time. So a couple of days ago on Jeopardy, they had a category in Double Jeopardy that was the 70s totally rocked. And so there's five mm-hmm. questions here, Patrick, in Double Jeopardy. This is Jeopardy, the TV show? The TV show. Okay. Uh, it's not Alex Trebek anymore, but that's it'll always he's be, dead. He'll, he it'll always be Alex Trebek in my heart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was wondering if you... I would, liked Alex Trebek. Would you like to take on these five questions and see? I liked him see how even more do? when he had a mustache. Did he never? But I, I'm sorry. Didn't he you always, something? Didn't he always have a mustache? You were saying something. I'm sorry about that. Go ahead. So, do you want to play? Do you want to play Jeopardy? Yeah. All right. All right. Let's do it. Now, this is for you're going to for real ask me questions because yeah, this are, is not rehearsed. I do not. I didn't even know. No, I'm totally springing this, this on you. Okay. So, is this right. going to embarrass me? I hope that might so. be good for my I humility. hope so. Okay. I'm always looking for some way so to embarrass I, you. I have, is this one where you have to answer in the form of a question? Yes. That's very important. If you if you just give me the answer, I'm gonna I'm gonna buzz you wrong. Okay. Because it has to be in the form. I may I may flame question. out here. I don't know. Is this music or what is it about? The, all right. This is the '70s totally rocked. That's the okay. that's the category. I can get behind that. All right. So for four hundred dollars, Patrick. Only months after releasing 1979's Highway to Hell, this group lost lead singer Bon Scott to acute alcohol poisoning. I hated that band. I'm <laughs> um, just saying. You don't even um, want to say that okay. name. Okay, uh, who is Black Sabbath? Oh! No? Oh, I can't... Uh, who is Deep Purple? I hated those bands. I hated them. So you got that one wrong. That was ACDC. Oh, okay. And I know that is not... See what I'm saying? Yeah, it's not your genre. All right. But it's not over. So you're negative 400. But for 800, 800, Patrick, this quartet gave us a tour of Kashmir in 1975 and enjoyed some custard pie. Who is Led Zeppelin? Boom. Nice job. Nice job. That was easy. All right. So now you're up 400 because that was 800 question. So I have zero dollars. No, no, you're up 400. That was an $800 question. Oh, I see. Okay. So now for $1,200, fire in the sky after after the casino burned during a Zappa gig, Deep Purple wrote this top five hit with a killer lick. Yeah. What is... Uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember the name of the song. Um, I don't know, tell me. No, I know hey, you hey, know hey, it because hey. you ask me to play it all the time. I know. <laughs> all the yeah. time. What is smoke on the water? Boom. Nice yeah. job. All right. Some stupid with a flare gun burned the place to the ground. That's a, yeah. A I was in Montreux in Switzerland where this happened. Not not when it happened, but I went to the site of it. Okay. We have another oh, one? We have two more. $1,600, Patrick. Yeah. Uh, the 70s totally rocked long hair as seen on this rock 
and roll band from Massachusetts whose 1976 debut album included Rock and Roll Band. <laughs> Come on. If you You're don't insulting get this, my intelligence. Okay. What is Boston? Uh, nicely done. Nicely yeah. done. All right. Finally, $2,000, Patrick. Okay. I want you to want to say Cheap Trick's 1978 live album at this arena in Japan is a hard rock masterpiece. Okay, if can you repeat that? Because I think it might be one of two different questions. All right. You want me to say what? I want you to want me to say Cheap Trick's 1978 live album at this arena okay. in Japan is a hard rock masterpiece. What is the Budokan? Boom. Nice yeah. job. Nice okay. job. All right. You I've been there too. You killed it. I've been to the Budokan. Not inside it. I didn't go in, but I went to it when I was in Tokyo. So well, that was cool. Well, well done, sir. You. So how much money do I win? Well, let's see. 2000 There's 36 About 5000 bucks. Not bad. I'm donating it to Relevant Radio. Uh, you're a good man. You're a good yeah. man. So if you can just Venmo that to Father Rocky, we'll put it in the Relevant Radio account. Hey, that was fun. Yeah, you did good. You okay. are correct, sir. Yeah. All right. Well, now that the filler part of the show is over, let's uh, get back to more phone calls. That was fun, though, Cyrus. I enjoyed that. Alexis in New Mexico, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Doing well, thank you. Welcome. Thank you. So my question is, I'm a young married mom of almost four. I'm seven months pregnant. Congratulations. And I recently, thank you. Um, I just recently found out that my husband's been having an affair and I don't want to give up on our marriage, but how do I know when to? Hmm. I'm so sorry to hear this. Uh, do you mind a couple quick questions? How old are the two of you? You mentioned you're young. You've been married enough both, time to have four children. Mid-20s, maybe? We're both 25. Okay. Okay. And does he know that you know? Yes, he does. And what was his reaction? He was upset at me that I found out, mm -hmm. and um, he uh, didn't. He doesn't necessarily want to end it, but he doesn't want our marriage to end at the same time. Oh, how convenient for him! Exactly. Um, this is this is a crisis. Obviously, you don't need me to tell you that. I'm sure you know that. Do you have family and friends in the area, like your mom and dad, or people in the area that you can lean on in the middle of this? I do. Okay. Yes. Well, I would lean on them, first of all. Um, is he still carrying on with this woman? He says that he's not, but I, it's a lady from work, so I um, I highly doubt. Yeah. So they're still in proximity every day at work. Okay. Yes. Well, you know, first of all, I, I'm here to try to help you or any person in this situation find a way to restore and heal the marriage, you know, find a way to make things right again. Of course, that falls on his shoulders, not yours. And so that's my end goal in terms of whatever advice I might give you, Alexis, is how do we save the marriage? Okay. Yes. So some steps along the way, including some steps to get his attention, could include that you tell him until 
you get your head screwed on straight and you stop this nonsense and you are sorry for what you did to our marriage and what you did to me and what you've done to the kids, you're moving out. And you have the right to evict him from living under the same roof with you because he's forfeited his right to marital intimacy and living with you, bed and board. You have the right as the wife to say, sorry, until you get your act cleaned up, you can't live here anymore. So that's one step that you could take. The church recognizes that. In fact, the church refers to this as a canonical separation. I mean, that's one form of it where you would you would be within your rights to say you know no more of what has come up to this point until we get things back on track now i think the the best way to do that is to find a good catholic counselor marriage and family counselor so you're in new mexico probably i'm guessing you're in the archdiocese of santa fe is that right a uh, gallop in Gallup. Oh, even better. Not, okay, I didn't say that right. Uh, not any slight against the archdiocese, not at all. Uh, wonderful priests and parishes there. But even better because I happen to know the bishop of Gallup, New Mexico, Bishop James Wall. So yeah. my advice would be to contact him, in the go through the chancery, and let him know that you would you would deeply appreciate it if he could personally recommend to you somebody in the diocese who can be a guide and a counselor to you. And he'll he'll know who to recommend. I don't know who to recommend, but he would know. Maybe there's okay. a sagacious priest that he would have in mind who could be helpful, uh, or perhaps somebody in the chancery who does counseling, things like that. But do check in with him. Tell him I sent you. I don't think he'll mind. He's busy enough as okay. it is, but he, believe me, I know him. He would He would stop what he's doing to help you. Okay. And, and then my advice would be get into counseling, get this going. If your husband is willing to do this, and I sure hope he is, then sign up for a retrovi weekend. Have you heard that before, retrovi? No, I haven't. Okay. So if you have a pen, the website is, well, the word retrovi, it has to do, it's from the French, it has to do with uh, recovering something, getting things back, that kind of thing. It, it has a few different ways of being translated. But helpourmarriage.org is the website. Help our marriage. I want to double check that. Dot org. And this is an organization that is, they specialize, yeah, it's helpourmarriage.org. They specialize helping in, in helping couples who are on the brink of divorce whether there's infidelity or drug abuse or violence or any of the things that can cause something like this or all of the above in some cases, they, they have weekends for couples whose marriage is on the rocks or on the rocks, and they have a really good track record of helping couples restore the marriage. And infidelity is a very common thing, very, very common thing. And so they're experts at helping couples navigate through those churning waters. So that's going to require that the two of you go together to help him get his head screwed on straight. But hopefully he'll get to the point where he realizes, I don't want to lose my wife and children. I don't want to lose this marriage. I don't want to lose my soul in the process because that's the high road to hell. And um, that would be my recommendation if he's willing to go on one of these weekends to go. Have, have your okay. mom babysit the kids or something and you go away for the weekend. Okay. 
Alrighty. Um, would you recommend any uh, saints to pray to or books to read or anything like that? Well, there are many saints who experience similar things in their lives. I think St. Rita of Kasha might have. Someone's going to send me an email. No, it wasn't St. Rita of Kasha. Um, I, I don't know off the top of my head, I'm afraid. But if you Googled Catholic saints divorce, I'm sure that those who are known for, in their lives, suffering through that. And I know there are saints who went through that. They went through betrayal by their husband, typically would be a woman betrayed by her husband. But in any case, just a little searching online would give you that information. But right. I would also well, recommend... You so much. Oh, you're welcome. You're most welcome. I'm so sorry you're in this predicament. And shame on your husband. If he would be willing to call me, I'll be happy to talk to him man to man. All righty, I'll let him know. Yeah, he, he, and I'm not going to insult him, and I'm not going to shame him, but I will talk to him directly if that's something that he would be willing to, to do. But in the meantime, though, for your own sake and the safety of your children, those steps I advise I think will work. At least they will help. All righty, okay. well, thank you so much. You're welcome. Do me a favor, Alexis, call me back maybe in a month or two. I'd like to check up okay. on you and see how you're doing, okay? All righty, I will. Okay, thanks. Mm -hmm. Bye-bye. This hour is sponsored by Christendom College's free principles classes. Sign up for a free online class on Holy Scripture today at NewTestamentFoundations.com. Learn to read the Bible with the mind of the church at NewTestamentFoundations.com. Compelling insights unpredictable conversations, encouragement for your day. It's the Patrick Madrid Show on Relevant Radio. You know, I like that Jeopardy thing that we did, Cyrus. That was pretty fun. That was fun. You did a nice, you did You did just fine. You, I you got came out four ahead. out of five? Yep. And the only one you missed was the, was the lowest dollar amount. So you oh, would have come AC, out way DC. ahead. And I'm, my apologies to all the ACDC fans out there. I just never, ever, ever got into their music. Never did. Talk to me about the Beatles, though. I'd be happy to talk about that. So maybe we'll revisit that, Cyrus. What do you think? I'm I'm down for it. If if you want to stump Patrick, uh, send us an email. Uh, Ooh, I like. Send that. me an email. Send me an email. <laughs> so they would go to relevantradio.com/patrick, and in how would we do that? In the in the uh, contact button, that's where they would send yeah, you one. Then that okay. would work just fine. So go to relevantradio.com slash Patrick in, in, in the connect section. We'll just click the button. You can send an email through the form and put Cyrus in the, in the search, or not the search bar, in the subject. And then whatever question. Now, what are, what are we going to do it on? Pop culture or I I, I like keeping it on music. I, I think it's, nice, it's a nice change of pace. But, I mean, really, we could stump you on. People try to stump you on Bible and religious stuff every day. That's true. It's not every day you get stumped on music questions. And it would have to be a certain kind of music, though, because I'm, I'm not, you know, an expert on classical music or anything like that. Right, yeah. I have if, a fairly if, narrow bandwidth on that. But. Yeah, I, I wouldn't let any country, you know, country rap music come through. <laughs> Good. Or no, um, how is about... That, is that no, a genre? I don't even know if that's a genre. Oh, country western, sure. No, country rap. Rap okay, country. I don't even know what that is. Yeah. Exa see? My eyes just glazed over when you said that. 
Um, but definitely no Taylor Swift, by the way, because I definitely couldn't help you in that area. In fact, I've got a quick tidbit for you. This is from the Christian Post. So no Taylor Swift, Cyrus. Make a note of that, please, because I'll bomb every single time. Now, I know. Now I have to go to my erase board and put zero days since I've heard her name. You know, it, it had gone up to one day. I went a whole day without Lucky hearing you. her name. Now Lucky I'm back you. to zero. Thanks, Patrick. Lucky you. You got up to one day. Yeah, she is everywhere. It, it's just too much, way too much. But even more so now, it seems to me. This is an article in the Christian Post by Caitlin Webb. Taylor Swift is engaging in satanic rituals in live shows, according to a Christian artist, whom I will name in a moment. Um, so this is somebody from that world, and he's offering his appraisal of what he sees in the Taylor Swift music videos and her live shows and things like that. Now, I saw just the other day, it was on, what was it on? It was on Twitter, and I thought, well, I'm going to look at this because the headline said something about that she was dissing God and what the video is, I don't know if you've seen this, Cyrus. It's just a, a relatively brief video. She, I think she was at an award show, and somebody's receiving an award. And I'd like to thank my producer, and I'd like to blah, blah, blah. And, I'd like to, and then when the woman says, and I'd like to thank God, as she says those words, Taylor Swift's face darkens, and her eyes narrow, and she frowns, and she shakes her head like, no, no. I was really surprised. I always thought she was this sort of wholesome girl-next-door character. Apparently not. So listen to this article. Former Boyzone star, and there's a band you probably were super into, right, Cyrus? Boyzone? I, I never heard my of My eyes just glazed over. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. I had never heard of this band until I read the article. So former Boyzone star Shane Lynch has accused Taylor Swift of engaging in demonic practices and satanic rituals during her sold-out shows, and he warns of the damaging effects on children. Uh, he says uh, in a press interview recently, I think, that, I think when you're looking at a lot of the artists out there, a lot of their stage shows are satanic rituals live in front of 2,000 people without them realizing and recognizing. You'll see a lot of hoods up and masks on and fire ceremonies, even down to Taylor Swift, one of the biggest artists in the world, he says. You watch one of her shows and she has two or three different demonic rituals to do with the pentagrams on the ground and all sorts of stuff on stage. But to a lot of people, it's just art and that's how people are seeing it, unfortunately. So this Irish singer, 47 years old, his name is Shane Lynch, formerly from Boyzone, whatever that is. He says, there are a lot of hidden satanic messaging in music today. Is this them? <laughs> it's so awful. Mm. I'm sorry, everybody. Yeah. I had to look it up. Oh. My ears are starting to bleed. All right. Okay. That's, it's unpleasant. Let's move on. Sorry, sir. I don't mean to demean your music, but it's not my kind of music. Anyway, so he says, when it comes to a lot of the music that's out there at the moment, more of the hip-hop side of things. There are a lot of hidden satanic things and a lot of evil within them, including down to the beats. It's very real. Music attaches to your emotions, he says. It has a connection to your spirit and how you feel. That's why I've stopped listening, he says, to those types of music myself because it doesn't suit my spirit. He's a professing Christian. He's the father of two, and he warns that certain music is damaging to society in general and especially children. 
He says it 100% has an effect on society. I think our society has never been worse in many areas, and it starts from our children. And I think what he's referring to there is the music that they consume, not to mention videos and other types of quote-unquote entertainment. He says music is dangerous. It's coming in right at our children from the very beginning to get them to sway away from anything godly, anything controlled or disciplined. It's getting wilder and wilder out there for a reason. So back to Taylor Swift, she's 34. Uh, the article says she has previously been accused of promoting demonic activity through her music in her 2020 Willow music video, never saw it. She is shown observing an occult ritual and previously in the song says, sounds like casting a spell to make someone fall in love with you. That's her describing the song, I guess. In one remix of the song, she posted a photo of herself on social media with the caption, Witches be like, sometimes I just want to listen to music while pining away, sulking, staring out a window. It's me. I'm witches. She also referred to witch hunts in her 2017 album, Reputation. Uh, she sings in the song, I Did Something Bad. The lyrics include, they're burning all the witches, even if you aren't one. A 2023 nationwide survey of 1,011 adults found that 74% of the respondents said they believe in God. 69% said they believe in angels. I'm surprised the figures are this low, but then in a way, I'm really not surprised. I'm actually surprised they're that high. 67% expressed belief in heaven, and 58% said, said they believe in the devil. Um, Kyra Fontana, who worked as a vocal coach to major labels and shows such and shows such as Glee and The Voice before embracing Christianity, told the Christian Post that uh, she no long that the longer she spent in the music industry, the more disillusioned she became by the darkness she witnessed all around her. She says it's darker than most people could ever imagine. If you look at the content of the lyrics of the songs that are played on the radio, it's unbelievable the immorality and the dark and anti-Jesus messages. When I started to see the sheer percentage of songs and videos that were leaning heavily on that direction, I came to recognize that I could not that it could not be an accident. People in very powerful positions are backing it. There are gatekeepers who are wanting this content that we hear now to be prevalent in our society. It's akin to poisoning our community, she says, and our kids are drinking from a very, very, very destructive cup. She says, I saw the effects on kids as I worked in the city, and that effect is spreading. L.A. is the communication center for this planet. When you go to other countries, you still see content made in Los Angeles. People try to minimize what comes out of Hollywood and say, oh, it's just entertainment. But it has a tremendous effect, she says, on the psyches and souls of our young people. The church needs to stand up against this darkness because it's truly having a devastating effect on the next generation. That's the article in Toto. That's a good band, by the way. Rosanna? Anyone? Rosanna? Toto? But anyway, uh, the, I, this rings true to me, and I don't even know her music. But when I saw that video three, four, five days ago, it was really surprising to me, her reaction. Cyrus, you probably could find that video. Not that I'm saying do anything with it, but if you type in, how would we find it? Taylor Swift um, saying no when God is mentioned or something like that. All right, I did look it up. And did you see what I saw? I did see it, and her shaking her head no could also be, I don't know that it necessarily means like, no, 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 don't thank God. I okay. I just watching it without any sound, 
Well, okay. well, just with the, uh, you know, I will actually... I you hear the background sound. noise of right, the people in the, in the uh, room. Mm-hmm. Right. So I didn't get the sense that she was saying, and I'm not a Taylor, I'm not a fan. I, it's, oh, sure this, you're not. <laughs> this is not for me. Uh, but I didn't get that from the no. But I have seen the weird satanic stuff, you know, uh, the little clips on YouTube or Twitter or whatever. Um from her mm-hmm. concerts that are very questionable. And I don't know why she has to be so scantily closed if she's singing to 14-year-olds. Um, so I have a lot of questions about mm-hmm. her act. But that particular moment, I didn't get that she was saying no to thanking God. It was more well, of like Well, that's a, good to know. I like mean, a, no yeah. pun intended. It was almost like a yes, no. I, when I, I first saw it, I mean, I, I watched it once or twice. But when I saw it, I thought, ooh, maybe she doesn't like God or maybe she's just put off that somebody's mentioning God. Um, but maybe I'm wrong on that. In, you know, I thought the other thought I had was, is this, is this a deep fake video? Is that not really her? Is this slowed down to make it sound as though when the other person says God, she shakes her head? Because there's so much trickery and fakery out there too. I take that into account. So anyway, parents, you know, if nothing else, just be really careful what you let your children, especially the younger children, listen to. Listen to the lyrics listen to what's being said and and understand what your children are imbibing because if you don't according to this article and people in the know in the music industry it's it's direly affecting a lot of people and sometimes i've wondered if or rather i should say sometimes i've wondered to what extent this current situation we're in where so many young people are falling away from the faith they just don't want to be bothered with god they're nuns n o n e s I wonder how much of that is generated by the music that they listen to. And I don't know the answer to that question, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's a significant amount of the time that people, perhaps in a very subliminal way without knowing it, it's corroding their belief in God and maybe engendering this fascination with evil and the occult and witches and spells and craziness like that. So my kids are all raised and raising their own kids now, so... You younger parents especially, that would be my heartfelt advice. Be vigilant and listen to what they're listening to. And if it's something like that, I would say, sorry, this is not going to be on your, on your, what are they using nowadays, Spotify? Yeah, I've had that conversation. I'm like, listen, what are you listening to? Listen to it. Listen, actually listen to the lyrics. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Dad, I don't care about lyrics like you do. I just like the beat. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, the lyrics are still hitting your brain. They're still making an impact. Yeah. And, you know, the beat does too. Uh, this, he, that was mentioned in the article. I'm glad you brought that up, Cyrus. Syncopation has a direct effect on our emotions and certain kinds of music. I'm telling you, try this sometime, especially parents, if you have young kids at home, put on a song without the kids knowing what it is. I'm talking little kids, okay, toddlers and maybe first graders that just put on a song like You Can't Touch This by MC Hammer. They will all start dancing. They just will. They will start dancing. You put on other songs with a similar kind of beat, they will all start dancing because they're innocent kids. Uh, you know, adults would be self-conscious and we wouldn't start dancing or anything unless you're at a dance or something. But kids are just innocent and they they move their bodies to what they're experiencing in emotions. But it's a really interesting experiment. And to me, it's indicative of the, indicative of the fact that, like your daughter said, Cyrus, that there's something in some of these syncopated beats that stirs the the soul, stirs passion, stirs 
maybe some uh, lack of, of inhibitions and things like that. So I don't know. I'll leave it at that. But that's, I'm looking at Cyrus. He's looking for, you can't touch this by MC Hammer. I think MC Hammer became a Protestant minister, if I'm not mistaken. What? I don't know. I think he did. I think he did. You know who else was a Protestant minister? He's still around, as far as I know, is Al Green. Let's Stay Together. Remember that, Al Green? Yeah, that's that's Protestant my minister. wedding song. Protestant minister. I did not know that. I love his music. Oh, his voice. Awesome. He's, he's awesome. Yeah. Absolutely love it. Oh, here's an album tip. Came out in the late 90s, You're in Good Hands. It's one of his later albums. <laughs> Excellent. Probably better than anything he did before, which is saying a lot. You're in Good Hands is the name of the album. Al Green is the artist. The young people are saying, who? Look Trust me. Trust me, way better than Taylor Swift. And no satanic rituals. Let's see. Yeah, man does have to know his limitations, doesn't he? All right, well, we will overcome those limitations on the other side of this quick timeout. We'll get back to your phone calls and emails. Got plenty of those. If you'd like to participate, here's a little toto for you. If you'd like to participate, call 888-914-9149. 